This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. I'm Glenn Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Wendy Ying from Sarasota, Florida. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for September 3rd, 2020. This episode is brought to you by ProStride. Good morning, horse world. Good Hi, Glenn. Talk to you. I only get to talk to you once a month now. Of course, Wendy shows up here the first Thursday of every month doing the driving show. I was updating the driving radio show website the other day. We've been doing this for a long time. I know. Ten years we've been doing this show. <laughs> You're crazy? my longest relationship ever, Glenn, besides <laughs> my parents. That's because we don't live together. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? Uh, I, I got upset before the show today. Um, because I saw, you know, carriage companies are still being put out of business across the world. Yeah. Uh, they're getting so much pressure from PETA and stuff. Well, I saw there's one place left in England that does the barge rides. So they have a barge with seats, and it's a tourist thing, and it's pulled by a draft horse. And, you know, uh-huh. there used to be barges all over this country pulled by draft horses and they used to pull coal and you know they used to really yeah all over the country there's a really popular one up in pennsylvania that's now been converted into a big long bicycle trail it's like 200 miles long and it was a canal system and the canal systems the canal boats were pulled by draft horses sometimes a single and sometimes a pair because if you think about it it's floating so you can pull a lot of weight with a draft horse yeah. Because it's floating. Well, this place over in England, this poor woman's been running this business for like 35 years, and the PETA people and protesters finally got to her. She has to close. So, because, and she would actually have people come up and try. What happens is the horses on land pulling the barge full of tourists and yeah. doing the tourist thing. And she would be driving the horse behind the horse, the ground driving right. the horse. And right. she would have people come up and try and take the reins out of her hands. Uh, she would have people on bicycles uh, yell at her as they're riding by at 90 miles an hour. Are you kidding me? She would have come up on walkers and runners and, and tell them she's coming, and uh, they wouldn't hear because they had earbuds in. So, I mean, it was just, it just got to the point. Then they were giving her so much flack because it's, poor, it's cruel for the horse to be doing this. Uh, I, it's just really sad because pretty soon we're not going to be able to do anything with our horses. Well, it's because these people are, you know, it's because people have lost their connection with animals. They, I mean, not with dogs and cats. I guess they have a more, you know. Yeah, but they're not working them if you think about it. They're not doing what dogs and cats. Very few dogs have jobs. I don't know the cats ever had jobs. But uh, (laughs) very few dogs have jobs. Yeah, they did. They were supposed to catch mice. That's right. You know, that's the number one thing when people go, my barn cat won't catch mice. And I was like, well, take up the meow mix. That would help. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, don't feed them as much. That's what we used to do. They used to catch mice (laughs) all the time. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, it was. it's just sad that this is... I've said it 10 years ago. 
when we were talking about the carriages in New York and, and now they're going in Chicago and every place else, but yeah, it's, it's a snowball, right? The snowball is building and next it's going to be, well, it's already fox hunting in many ways. Um, but then it's going to be eventing will be the one they target. And some of the Western disciplines are already going after rodeos. Uh, but so, you know what these people don't understand? If you don't have a job for these horses, then why? Then people can't afford to keep them, and then you won't have horses. Well, and they're they're really happy because you won't have horses, and you won't be abusing them by using them. So uh, no, that would make them very happy. Is that that was the case? And that's the sad part about this. It's just ugh. yeah. Anyway, I saw that right before we recorded today, and it just upset me. But anyway, on this month's show, it's all about family. Tell us what's coming up. Okay, so we have Kathleen Hake, and she's interviewing Ben Turner, who's encouraging kids to drive in a post-apocalyptic fashion. And we have longtime listener and author. By the way, you said that correctly. That's tough to say. Uh, I know. I've had to practice. (laughs) It's a tongue twister. (laughs) Okay, then we have listener and author Jake Keeling. And he's going to share how his how horses have influenced his life living with cerebral palsy. And then, Glenn, did you know Katie and Randy Cadwell's parents dragged them from the eventing world and made them go coaching before they became international combined driving superstars? I didn't know they were eventers. Yep, they were eventers. And on the TCVM segment, we have my friend, Dr. Carol Holland of Natural Vet Palm Beach. And she's going to explain how she combines the modern technology of ProStride with TCVM to keep horses performing at their peak. So listen in. Well, Wendy, what is the product feature of the month? The product feature is an herbal formula called tendon and ligament formula. So obviously it's for tendon and ligaments. (laughs) No kidding. But uh, one of the reasons why I chose this as our product feature is we are going to talk to Carol, uh, Dr. Carol, about ProStride. And ProStride, what it does is it, um, we're going to talk about it later, but it, it's, it helps the body heal itself, right? It's a natural way to help the body heal itself. And the tendon ligament formula is very similar to that. Um, so tendon issues are like one of the number one issues we have with our sport horses, And it has some interesting ingredients in this formula. The first one is goji berry. Um, Glenn, do you know what goji berries are? It's a hot new thing in in, uh, natural foods, but it's been around in Chinese medicine for a long, long time. It's kind of like uh, we get them here dried, and it's kind of like a dried cranberry. Oh, okay. But they're super high in vitamin C. And we all know that vitamin C is very important for connective tissue repair. Right. So it's high in vitamin C. It's an anti-inflammatory. And also we call it a jing tonic in Chinese medicine. And jing is like your life force. So anything that's like a jing tonic, it helps your body heal itself. And then also this has one of my favorite herbs, the yin yang ho, which is also called horny goat weed. And that's like one of the first herbs I ever talked about it on the is. show. Because it's such a funny name. It is. I remember uh, joking about it. Yeah, but it's horny goat weed. And so the thing is, we call that herbal Viagra. And the reason why we call it herbal Viagra is because it increases the testosterone level uh, in your body. And just like, uh, you know, people that love to work out, you know, they want to have increased testosterone levels to help build more muscle and stronger bone. So it has goji berries and horny goat weed. You got to get some. And where do they get it? (laughs) 
<laughs> and you can get that at drwendyying.com. Okay, so this month on the TCVM segment, I am so happy we have a great guest, Dr. Carol Holland from Natural Vet of Palm Beach, Florida, and she uh, teaches at the Chi Institute, so she teaches acupuncture to other veterinarians, including she was one of my teachers, one of my mentors. Um, and Wait she's a minute, gonna- you taught Wendy when she was first starting out in uh, alternative medicine? I guess I did. Thank you for <laughs> Do you remember her? Was she naughty and bad? Was she a bad child? No. No. She was one of the most attentive, I have to tell you, and fabulous to have as a student. So. Oh, you've been Aww, coached well there, Carol. You've been coached well by Wendy. What you know what? I have today. to tell you a story about Carol. <laughs> she has these tiny little chihuahuas that she keeps it in this little these little bags, but they're like super tiny. And I have this picture of her dog, I had a water bottle and I poured water into the cap and the dog drank out of the cap like it was a dog bowl. <laughs> it's so cute. <laughs> so cute. Oh my gosh. They're trained to do that for when I forget their dog bowls. Trust me. <laughs> but that, that is a dog bowl. You don't, you have an automatic dog bowl. So anyways, okay. I've got off track. So we're on the TCVM segment. We love to talk about natural TCVM therapies. And in your practice, you're hundred percent, uh, holistic now, right? Um, I do occasionally do uh, other therapies, but not too much. I almost always, um, am holistic with my choices. Yeah. If if it's a a client requested and demands it, that's a regular client, then sometimes we have to go off. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. For the most part. (laughs) But you, uh, you you have, um, have, in your practice now, you have a good blend of like high technology with our TCVM treatments. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about how how you incorporate the newer technologies with your holistic practice? Yes. Well, one of the things that um, I discovered was a long, long time ago, especially once I started with the TCVM, is that I was frustrated with the uh, application of certain types of Western medicine that wasn't giving me results. And along came, um, for the first part, along came the uh, avenue to use uh, regenerative medicine and joints. Mm-hmm. So when I got that opportunity, it was almost like a window had opened and a door was like, come in and take over and see what this does. And right. I have these fabulous clients that have just you know, absorbed TCVM, have absorbed acupuncture therapies and just really believe in it. So they allow me to say, can I try this? So when I first started with the alternative joint injection, which is what I call it basically, I had already been using blood products and PRP in the acupuncture points. So I was very familiar with using blood products. So this was just a step in the right direction for me for that. So when I got the opportunity to try it, this company was not even uh, formed yet. And they, um, so it was sort of a test case on some horses of a client. And the, I went from eight-year-old young horses and training dressage horses to 20-year-old horses with severe joint um, arthritis, osteoarthritis. So I test cased this product and it was every single horse the people couldn't 
there, please come back. When mm-hmm. can you do my other horse? Can you? And I was like, well, no, it's just we're testing it. So then I went to an, I got, you know, a availability for some more um, projects. And so I test casted some horses actually in training, some polo ponies. A week later, they competed in the U.S. Women's U.S. Open and the team won. Obviously, they won because they only had my injection. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But but it was kind of a good way to look at it, you know, in sport horse medicine, too. So I said, this is a great product. And so the company, again, was it was just testing some. So we really weren't doing a lot. So they allowed me to promote it to some other clients and some other veterinarians who ended up liking it, too. And then when the, pro- when the company... Um, was formed very shortly after by the current um, uh, committee that now owns it and, and runs it, Al Manor. They were they had a basis of people that had already been tested and tried it. It was wonderful. Mm-hmm. So um, and we we were in Wellington and mostly East Coast. So um, the product just blossomed because there were no um, the negative side effects were extremely minimal, and we were also regenerating the joint. And at the time, there was not much research on the joint regeneration, but since then, they've done some studies, some small studies. Bill King, William King there has done some small studies where they've tested cartilage regrowth, and it, it's been phenomenal. It, it also has um, no negative side effects with if you have to give banamine or if you have to give you know, non-steroidals or if you have right. to use other products. So they've done more research in the past seven years I think it's a total of seven since only seven years that we've been, it's been technically out, maybe five. So give us a little bit of an idea about, it's called ProStride and mm-hmm. how is it different from, from other regenerative therapies? Okay. So um, it's a great question. Um, so many regenerative therapies, but what we need to know about ProStride is it's basically the horse's own blood sample Mm-hmm. And uh, we take we take the blood an, an allocation of 55 mLs. We mix it with five mLs of an anticoagulant called um, ACDA. It's citrated dextrose, and that small amount of anticoagulant with the blood goes into a special tube that collects and separates the platelet-rich plasma, and it also separates out something a portion called platelet-poor. P-O-O-R plasma. Mm-hmm. So we have platelet-rich and platelet-poor. Then what, what the magnificent brains that now are with Al Manor did is they said, let us test this and see if we spin it one more time, what's going to happen. So they created a second tube, and we spin it and filter that portion of platelet-rich plasma only. It's about 6 mLs, and we take that wonderful little portion, put it through another spin and filter, mix it with some polyacrylamide beads, and in that last little portion of blood, which is only a two-minute spin, we take mm-hmm. it out of the centrifuge, and it's instantly available for use in the joint. And so you can that do that right on your truck. Right, right on the truck. And what I've done is even made a little cubby hole in my van, so I never mm-hmm. have to take the centrifuge out. The oh, total time of spinning is 17 minutes, and so basically a horse's joints can get injected with regenerative medicine within a total of basically drive-in, drive-out, I'd say 30 minutes. So let me see if I understand this from the non-veterinary point of view with you two talking. Um, So we're taking (laughs) the blood, and we're basically uh, taking the really good parts that help with 
uh, healing and regeneration, you're mixing that down, taking that part out of the, the blood and putting it back in to help the healing. Exactly. And what it does is it's a filtration system and a concentration system. And ProStrap has a unique, the unique system because, A, it's the first one that was stall side with availability that you Because you had to send to it away before, right? Yeah, you have to send it away, yeah. And so, and then the second part about ProStride that is so good is that the second spin makes the cells and the product available instantly, whereas previous platelet-rich plasma systems only had the cells. And to give you sort of an analogy that I have to give my clients because I'm doing this a lot, is that if I gave you chocolate chips and butter and sugar and put it on a plate and said, there's your cookie, you would go, ooh, that doesn't taste good. But if I bake it, then you have a cookie. Well, what, what platelet-rich plasma is, is all of the ingredients on a plate. But what ProStride is, is the cookie. Because the second mm. spin dehydrates the cells and opens the cells so that all of the cell factors, the growth factors, the IRAP, everything within each cell makes a soup that's instantly available in the joint. Oh, that's and that's what's so wonderful. I know. And then and you it, inject it into so, the joint, just like in the old yes, days when we used just to just that. inject steroids and and hyaluronic acid. But this time you're injecting exactly. all of this ProStride, the cookie, right. and and the end, the cookie. Yeah, exactly. The chocolate <laughs> cookie, and and so or the oatmeal, whichever one you want. But <laughs> the in, the the results are. Then the body has to say, oh, my gosh, I have it here instead of going, okay, I've got to move my joint around. I have to break apart these cells. I need that growth factor. Oh, wait, no, I need IRAP. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. You know, there's hundreds of things. And the, the really smart people that were the research and development people originally, um, I spent a lot of time talking to them when I was doing the testing. And, you know, they would read off lists of all the ingredients, which, you know, I could give you that list if I look it up, but I can't, I don't have it to memory yeah. because it, but it is, it's tumor necrosis factor one and cell mediated factor three and four, you know, mm-hmm. but they found again, their belief system was the soup was what was wonderful. It, it isn't just the platelet rich plasma. It's the mixture of all the opened up cells. Yeah. And, um, the, the one guy said he spent thousands and you know, a kind of spins, spinning the centrifuge to get that right amount mm-hmm. in the second tube of the ProStride. And um, so we end up with about three mLs. It varies between two and three, and I've done thousands of these, so I can tell you it's pretty much two to three mLs. And then you have to decide which joint is going to need the most amount or how would you divide it. Mm-hmm. And that's how it works. So, so you take it right out of that sterile container and put it right in. So what's it help with? What are the situations where you're recommending it? Um, I recommend it basically on every type of joint pain, number one, which would be indications, which would be soft tissue joint pain, is, would be synovitis, which is joint swelling. Say you sprain your joint, but you have no history of bone arthritis. The swollen joint, I'll put it in that. I also recommend it for arthritis, severe arthritis, which everybody knows as general public knows arthritis, but in veterinarians, we call it osteoarthritis, which is the difference in that is it's bone pain. It's bone arthritis. And with usually with bone spurs or bone chips, 
there's some de- a lot more degradation of the cartilage. So I, I recommend it for young horses that in their joints that have a sprain to middle-aged horses with cartilage wear to old horses with arthritis. The other thing that I started using it in after I found such good results with the um, joints, I injected also into tendons and ligaments. And tendon and ligament uh, recovery is amazing. And I take actually the ProStride. They were only recommending the PRP, but because I hate wasting anything, and the PRP was such a, or the ProStride was so wonderful, I said, I'm just going to put it in the joint, the tendons. Now, if I have a, an injury to a tendon, you know, I put it in there, and I also put it around the tendon, which a lot more veterinarians I've heard have been doing that too. So we give peritendinous injections, tendon sheath injections, basically are the same, and then also within the tendon if there's a lesion. So I've had good results with that. So that's great. Um, that's the main. Yeah, it's I, I basically use it. Almost every day. So, so the tendon does the same thing. It goes, I have to fix myself, and oh, the stuff is right here to do that. Exactly. And then, and then a lot of times, you know, it's, it's scary sometimes for veterinarians to begin with because when you have a tendon, you tear those fibers and you stick a needle in the fiber to, to inject it. You're thinking, oh, I need not to inject blood back into the tendon because when the fibers tear, there's blood there. And uh, that was my first thought is I need something to uh, mitigate this blood. But ProStride right back in a, a torn tendon has been phenomenal for recovery, decrease my recovery time, and enhance the type of uh, repair that I get too. So, been good. So when you use it for um, like an older horse with arthritis, how long does it last between injections? That's a great question too. Um I, it depends on the individual. When I first started using ProStride, I would say nine months to a year. Mm-hmm. And, well, that's good. And I would just give, I w- well, I would give that blanket statement. So then after using it a lot, I have, um, you know, and it varies also on the type of horse that you're doing. If you have somebody that has an older equitation horse or say even a 13-year-old Grand Prix jumper or Grand Prix mm-hmm. massage horse or a uh, barrel racer, 16-year-old barrel racer that's got terrible arthritis and they come up a little sore. I've started using it more frequently, not because I don't think it will last, but just because it gives so much good pain relief. Mm-hmm. So I enhance the pain relief again and I might shorten the time of nine months um, to do it again. And if people give their horses time off, which in um my business, they don't typically do that. <laughs> I think corona, coronavirus gave all the horses some added time off. I agree with that. So, <laughs> I know. I'm glad to see it, too. <laughs> but, um, but the older horses, I don't hesitate to, to shorten the, the nine months or a year period, only because, I, you know, if a client's willing to do it, I say, look, let's just make them even that much better. Right. Because Wendy, like you know, as well as me, you know, they'll start to get like shoulder pain if it's an ankle or they'll start yeah. to get hip pain or, or sacroiliac pain if it's a hind coffin or hock or stifle. And you're like, oh, I need to treat that with acupuncture. But then your acupuncture or your therapies, you know, that we use constantly are going to be better if the joints don't hurt and you're not doing any damage. You're only enhancing that cartilage by right. repeated injections. So yeah, you get less compensatory pain if you if right. you get the if you keep that joint feeling good. Like if you know that they have arthritis there, then you should treat that as much as as you're able to. Their own blood, you can um, 
there's no worry about drug testing or showing uh, there's no withdrawal times, anything like that. There's no withdrawal time unless you use a tranquilizer uh, for the um, the sedation to do the joint mm-hmm. injection. Yeah, and and that's the only drug withdrawal time. So yeah, and then obviously some people give non-steroidals at the time of injection, mm-hmm. and there would be withdrawal time for that depending on which one. And now I have to it's ask. Good. Good. I know I have to ask a question that everybody's going to want to know. How much does it cost okay. for a treatment? Well, generally among the veterinarians in Wellington, we charge six hundred dollars for a per kit, and mm-hmm. the, the kit is the tube is the one blood tube pull. Um, and so that out of that blood tube pull, if you're doing a small joint, you might get two joint injections. Mm-hmm. If you do a hot uh, a stifle, you want to want to use one kit per joint. Okay. So just based on the volume. So generally, it is a little bit more, but then the distance of time to reinject, like some cortisone injections, need to be done every six to twelve weeks, whereas um, a prostate injection could wait could last a year. So that right. that's one reason to use it. So, so it's it's pretty depends. affordable. Parts of the country. I think it's affordable because, mm-hmm. um, well, my clients do mainly. They've weighed the the outcome of having their horse last longer, right? And the joints heal, and that's what the benefit of it is. And I think when yeah. you can figure that out, um, then you know that it's it, why use steroids anymore. I mean, it, it's almost criminal. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Probably shouldn't say that, but <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear you that. You can. You're on the TCVM segment. You can say that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm on the TCVM. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so the TCVM being an alternative sports medicine practitioner, it's it's amazing, and I have I have it. I mean, that's my go-to anymore. And some clients, that's all they go to. They look at me like, oh my gosh, you know, you're not. Mm-hmm. I can't believe we have this in our arsenal. So they just remember the old days. I think it really does show the 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 um, you know, it's how we can keep up with our profession. Just because we do TCVM doesn't mean we can't incorporate new things when they come around, you know, and this is like such a great technology and really sticks with our, uh, our way that we want to treat horses, you know, what way we want to do medicine. So, and also this is available for, for dogs, for dogs and cats also, right? Yes. I don't know about cats, um, because cat blood volume is very, um, small, but dogs, I do have some horse clients that we have, uh, treated their dog stifles. I've actually um, injected a dog stifle and a um, elbow myself with a dog that didn't need anesthesia that it, it was, they just turned, were instantly not lame. I have a pit bull that had two torn um, ACLs mm-hmm. and that was seven years ago and, and she's still sound. Wow. That's that so from the okay. And they wanted to do surgery. I know. And and, and uh, surgery on a on a cranial cruciate ligament is four grand, so like this is cheap compared to uh, that. So. Yes, and then they do have most dogs do have to have anesthesia because they don't allow you to stick a needle in their little joint. But <laughs> but um, I don't do I don't you know I haven't done that, so I refer them to small animal, except for the two dogs that the person said, oh, don't worry, it'll be fine. And truly, one was a golden, <laughs> and the other was a pit bull, and they both just lay there. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, Carol, where can everybody find you? Um, Natural Vet PB, like Palm Beach. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the initials PB at gmail.com. Um, and do you want me to give my phone number? I don't mind. I, I wasn't prepared, but it's 561-635-7000. Yeah. <laughs> 
7421. Um, everybody text me or call me, and so I'm, I'm appreciative of all the love and <laughs> that I get from phone calls. And I'm willing to talk about ProStart all day. As you can tell, it really gets me excited. Well, and <laughs> you can find more product. about that at pro-stride.com. That's pro-stride.com is where you can find out more about that. Thanks a bunch. This has been fun. And, and you explained it very well. Even I could understand it. So I know you've been deal- dealing with this in a long time. So. <laughs> Appreciate it, Carol. Yes, and um, thank you so much. And thank you for the opportunity. Well, coming up next, we have Kathleen joining us, and she has a very special guest from all the way over in England. His name is Ben Turner, and for those that are in the driving world, you have seen the pictures of the post-apocalyptic Mad Max rig that they put together with a super beetle, it looks like. And if you haven't seen those pictures yet, we will post them in our show notes. It'll be our show notes picture of the month. And you can check them out uh, on our website at uh, Driving Radio Show. But yeah, it's uh, it's kind of cool. And I can't wait to hear about how this came about. So today we are excited to welcome with us Ben Turner. And you have seen Ben's photos of his post-acoplyptic uh, turnout on Facebook. And it is an amazing turnout. These horses are Shire Cobb Crosses, I believe. Is that correct, Ben? Yeah, that's totally correct. We we, we bred we bred them ourselves. So we had a shy stallion because our our um, cops weren't big enough for ourselves. So we we crossbred. Is this the one where he did a Mad Max thing out of a a VW uh, bug? Absolutely. I, I my first car was a VW bug. So when I saw those pictures, I went, I wish I'd done that to mine. That would, <laughs> it would have been so much cooler with the girls than what I drove. How did you decide to put, so for those who haven't seen the photos yet, we will have them on the Horses in the Morning um, post, but this is a VW with a dinosaur um, model head in the center. And how did you decide to to choose something as unique as that, Ben? Well, we we decided like back in the early January before we had this pandemic, just we used to do bang racing, me and my friends, and then my, my latest friends would do horse riding. So we decided to do like a join between the two, bang racing, cars, horses. And we, we, we started like a youth project to join it all together. And we just searched on the internet for things to like buy and convert. And then the Volkswagen Beetle bug just turned up. And then the dinosaur head like came along and we just put it all together. <laughs> you have a talented crew that helped you um how many youth did you have working on this project i know you started a well, new carriage club yeah yeah so, so, so my, my club is really tight so do, do you want to speak to sam or dolly they're, they're, sure they're i know that with... sam i know that sam worked on this project quite a bit yes, he, he's, he was, got... he's your groom on that project correct Yes, it's, 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 Sam's my like my horse help, and Dolly is Dolly is one who has a crazy, crazy like leather secretary. She's your muse. <laughs> Do you want to speak to Ethan? They're both here. Sure, absolutely. Let's speak to Sam. I want to hear how this goes together. As how I how do you drive this thing? Sam was Sam's- instrumental in the costume team, as was Dolly. 
and yeah. trying to put this together. Now, Dolly is a jewelry designer and horse rider. Yes, yes. So, so Dolly, Dolly designs um, jewelry from like seashells and she, she'll probably, she'll probably tell me more. I'll pass you over. Okay. Hi there. Hi. Hi. How are you tonight, Dolly? Yeah, really good. Thanks. Great. So you were instrumental in designing these face masks and uh, feather headdresses along with the um, blankets that went on the horses. How did you come up with all these different ideas? Um, I I guess we 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 took Ben's inspiration from his idea that we would be kind of um, going along a Mad Max theme. Um, so obviously we watched the film. So there was a bit of research watching Mel Gibson um, and Tina Turner and um, and imagining how we would like make the most of that and turn our horses and our carriages into something that looked similar and in tune with that. Um, so, yeah, and then it was a matter of kind of figuring out how to, you know, how to actually, uh, you know, we didn't have any skills necessarily in um, distressing cars and uh doing leather work and you know making feather headdresses and stuff so then we kind of taught ourselves really um with the with the children which was a really really fun experience so that's um, fantastic all... i had wondered how uh which uh mad max film had inspired you i personally like the tina turner and uh, mel gibson version best myself yeah <laughs> Definitely Tina Turner and Mel Gibson, and not and, and not the latest one with uh, with, with Charlie Theron. So we were we, we were kind of going old school on that, um, and uh, yeah. But with the help of you know, it's amazing what you can do these days with the help of a glue gun and some feathers and uh, and, uh, and and a few tools and what have you. So yeah, we we just thought you know we just believed that we could we could do it, and we uh, and we did. And Ben's got an, an awful lot of he's got a good workshop and a lot of kit and a lot of tools. So, um, yeah, it all came together really. So did you guys go like a stage, a thing where you were going really fast with the horses, pulling it with people shooting at you? Did you do that scene? We, 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 we can do that. Okay. That's if, you see, if you want to see that scene, we're, 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 happy, we're happy to do it. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> Now, you took this this vehicle out on the streets of Surrey, and I have to wonder, did you get a lot of uh, amazed looks, particularly during the pandemic? So, so, so we had a pandemic going on, and the streets were, like, dead quiet. There was nobody out at all. By the time we got to the village, the streets were, like, full of people with cameras, and <laughs> like, they, they, they lined the streets to see us and wave us through, didn't they? You were the most exciting thing they'd seen all week. There was, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, probably yeah. Well, probably in their lifetime, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yes, greatly appreciate it, and and look forward to seeing more from from your new club. And uh, I hope that uh, more children are able to get involved with this as the pandemic uh, releases us from our homes, and and that they're able to be involved with this. It's such a great project, and and so creative and it's great to see yeah they're, they're different so, so, so schools schools go back next week mm-hmm. um so all the mum all the mums are really happy the rest of the night that the kids are going to go back and the mums are quite relieved but <laughs> i want to start bad. the club again in the, in the next two weeks when the, when the schools go back 
we we'll start we'll open the club again every Wednesday night and then, then start rebuilding the next two um and then the next two vehicles. What what what's this space? Yes, we will. <laughs> we will be looking yeah. for more post apocalyptic vehicles coming our way from Ben Turner and uh yeah. we'll, we'll definitely be sharing them with our listeners as they come along. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate uh, it. Thank you, Ben. Uh, thank you, Sam and, and Dolly. Well, today for our ADS segment, we have the ADS treasurer, Pat Cheatham, here to talk to us about this new exciting part of their website. It's all about uh, carriage driving lifestyle. So welcome, Pat, to the show. Well, thank you, Wendy. It's a pleasure to be here with both you and Glenn. Well, uh, I think you're the perfect one to do this section because you and your wife drive together all the time. And I know that's a big part of your lives. Yeah, we were just up at a uh, little show in uh, near Tryon uh, yeah. this weekend, and uh, it's always fun to to be able to work together and compete together. You know, and uh, this show today is all about family, so we're so glad you could join us for this part. Um, now, what kind of things are you looking for? Uh, you want members to send in some photos of them and their their horses? Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to get. Let, let me back up just for a moment, if if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, we we've had uh, we decided uh, about a year ago uh, that we needed to update our website, um, make it a little more friendly for mobile platforms, and kind of kind of change the look of it a little bit and that sort of thing. So um, we 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 moved over to Club Express as our carrier, and they helped us build a new website. One of the sections in there, uh, I, we wanted to kind of capture the lifestyle of driving. Uh, if you don't mind a, a personal story, uh, the, the very, the second event that Sally and I ever went to was live Oak. Um, mm-hmm. we had had a 30 minute lesson with Tom Hilgenberg and he said, yeah, you're ready to go to live Oak. <laughs> no, never mind. <laughs> Nothing so, like starting we, at the job there, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this wasn't, this wasn't in the, in their current, uh, iteration, but it was, it was live Oak. And so we drove down there after work. We both still worked at the time. Got there late. The horse didn't want to drink water. We couldn't find our stall, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but we had one carriage at the time, and it was a, a furniture cart. Um, and so um, Sally was doing dressage the next day and cones, and the wind kept on blowing her hat off. And I scrambled up to the stands and found an old guy who turned out to be Lyle Nygaard, and I said, I need a hat pin. And he <laughs> said, take what you want. Come see me later. And so we got through that one, and then uh, we did, Tom saw us after cones, and he said, uh, "Do you guys have a marathon carriage?" And we said, "No, we we don't." And he said, "Well, I'll lend you mine." So he had <laughs> lent one of his carriages to, I believe, Amy Neary, and he had uh, lent one to us. Well, we wrecked in the second second hazard, oh, um, no. and, and bent it all up. And but Tom was Tom was great about it. He borrowed another carriage, and we went on and. And, and and got into the sport. We got our own carriage and fixes and all that kind of stuff. The point being that we learned at that that uh, early stage that driving is all about community. Um, and and the, the vendors and the other competitors and the families that you meet, the volunteers, the organizers are all just, they're wonderful people. They love this sport um, and they want to share it with everybody else. Yeah. And so that's what we wanted to kind of do for the, a lifestyle section for our new website. And uh, so I, I, I had three themes uh, that I kind of wanted to start out with, and we'll expand those as time goes on if, this is, if everybody enjoys it. 
Uh, one of them is about intergenerational stuff. I mean, uh, grandmothers teaching their grandkids how to drive. Uh, people like Bob and Anna Koopman, his daughter, his and Diane's oh, yeah. daughter, yeah. Uh, it, it both competing and navigating for each other. Um, you know, uh, Tracy Morgan and, and, and Kenny, uh, just uh, you can go on and on and on and, and talk about couples and families that really participate in, in this sport together. Mm-hmm. And so we want to kind of focus on that and let people tell us their stories. I've gotten, I've gotten one uh, entry so far from uh, uh, an ADS member who had pictures of her granddaughter with her. Uh, and uh, another one who had pictures of her teenage son and his grandfather uh, together on a carriage. Uh, you know, that sort of thing. And it's just really great. And we also want to kind of talk about um, uh, prolonged uh, use of equine uh, in a competitive sense. You know, mm-hmm. you, if you have a, a quarter horse, it's been a barrel racer and a, a great horse, but just not competitive anymore. But you want to have it there. You know, they've still got some life in them and you think they enjoy competition. Maybe train them to be a driving horse. Mm-hmm. Uh, if a, a grandmother's got uh, a pony that she's had for a grandkid who's all of a sudden found cars and boys or girls and that sort of thing and is just outgrown the pony. Maybe you want to teach that pony to uh, give that pony another competitive um, life and, and teach him to be a driving pony. So that sort of thing. And then the third area, the third theme I wanted to kind of start off with is um, let me speak for myself. I'm, I, I am now very securely part of the Social Security generation. I've been for, <laughs> for several years. And, and, and most, most drivers are older than you'd find in, say, a inning or barrel racing or uh, uh, other equine sports. Mm -hmm. And so as people get tired of, uh, and maybe are no longer able because of bad knees or hips or um, disease of one kind or another, no longer able to do stuff astride, we think that uh, driving is an excellent opportunity to continue your love of horses uh, and other equine and, and have a way to do it. So those three things are what we're gonna start with. And I, yes, to answer your question now, uh, I would like for people to send me their their short stories about what uh, they do in driving and what driving means to them and some photos. And we'll edit them and curate them and put them up, up on the web, website. I think that's so great because I think, uh, you know, for all the years we've been doing the show, the most fun of it is to hear how much fun people have driving because there's so many aspects to it. Like it's not just like competition. You know, but there's also yeah. family get together or like Glenn started driving this little crazy hackney pony and they did just picnic drives, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, there's and then we have had Kitty on later in the show. And she's going to talk about how they got into driving because their father, they had all these ponies that they outgrew and then their father couldn't bear to lose to, to sell the ponies, So he made them driving ponies. Great. You know, so tell them, tell them, send me a picture, please. <laughs> okay. I will. That'll be fun. Um, so Pat, uh, uh, where can people find, find the new website? Well, it'll be the same. Uh, we're going to be sending a, an email blast out to all of our members uh, on the first, when we launch the new website and mm-hmm. it will give them a, a temporary, uh, uh, username and password so that they can log into the new site and a, a URL to go there. Uh, we're also going to have it available for um, the non-ADS members to go in. We've got a section for 
uh, non-members uh, to both encourage them to become ADS members, but also just to encourage, tell them something about driving. Mm-hmm. Um, and I apologize, but I can't tell you exactly where to go for that yet. Um, um, I just don't remember offhand. Okay, but for now, they can go to the AmericanDrivingSociety.org. That is correct. Okay. And I think we're going to continue that. We'll just redirect. All right, that's great. Sounds good. Well, well I'll so be much, sure Pat. to send a picture of the fat uh, hackney pony, okay? Uh, <laughs> that would be super, Glenn. We'll be sure and put it up there in a, in a place of prime I'll, importance. I'll send you a picture, too. You need a section for rescues who got turned into driving ponies, so, yeah. you know, who were well, starving yeah, yeah, to that, death. That, Absolutely. Yeah. I, I absolutely agree, and it's a great idea. We'll do that. Sounds good. Pat. You know, Thanks. also, Glenn uh, never rode, but he started driving because his wife was horsey. You know, I tried writing, to... and that just was not for me. Was... <laughs> <laughs> well, Glenn, my story is about the same. It's actually very similar. I, I didn't uh, didn't ride until uh, I started dating Sally, and uh, it was either begin or not. And so she said she'd <laughs> always wanted to have a quote buggy for her old line quarter horse. And so, uh, being a good uh, fiance, I went out and found one for him. We did. We didn't <laughs> die. We didn't die the first time we hooked up. So we decided we'd try it again. That's right. <laughs> Thanks, Pat. Yeah, good to talk to you. Have a good day. Coming up, we have Jake Keeling. He's a longtime listener of The Horses in the Morning. He is an author of a book entitled Horseback Days and Lightning Bug Nights. And it is um, a book based on his life, Growing up with cerebral palsy and how horses and his family influenced that. Um, so welcome, Jake. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Wendy. It's good to be here. Well, you know, this is just, I read a lot of your uh, bio and what you said about how you grew up riding and then you got into driving, right? Because the, the, the driving was a little bit easier for you with your balance issues. So can you tell us a little bit about that growing up? Uh, yes, ma'am. I uh, come from a horse family on my dad's side. We live in a, a rural community, and my grandfather grew up farming with the horses and mules, and we uh, kind of transitioned into cattle raising. But uh, the horses have always just been a part of our lives, and so my dad... Uh, put me in the saddle in front of him when I was just, you know, a baby. And mm-hmm. from there I went to my own pony. But uh, my balance never was uh, all that great. I was trying to ride in a regular Western saddle. And uh, my the most security I had was just to hold on to the saddle horn, you know. And, yeah. Uh, and hey, that, that's true for a lot of us uh, when we start. That's how Glenn rides. Yeah, that's how I ride t- still. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it didn't, you know, as long as everything goes well, that works, but if you if you work in cattle and your horse makes a sudden turn, you mm-hmm. can... Uh, you can end up on the ground. And so I had always been uh, interested in driving, I guess, uh, because I wasn't able to, to get around and run and play and different things. I liked to listen to the older folks tell stories. And so my grandfather would tell these stories about 
you know, he, uh, when, in his growing up years, they used wagons and buggies as a regular form of transportation. And so I'd always been interested. And, uh, when, when I finally decided that, uh, riding was, uh, was too difficult, I just transitioned into, into driving. But I got my first uh, experience with driving while I was still riding. I was just five years old, and uh, the only thing I asked for for Christmas was a wagon. I wanted a wagon, and so I didn't, you know, at five years old, I didn't know the difference between a wagon or buggy or whatever, right. but I wanted a horse-drawn vehicle. And uh, Dad built a two-wheel cart, and uh, I started with that and a little donkey. So I've been driving for <laughs> most of my life. <laughs> I think you sent us a picture of that. We'll put that on the site because I love that picture of you driving that little donkey. That's cute. Oh, thank you. Oh, oh funny. <laughs> the donkey was quite a character, and he, he lived to be well over 30 years old, so he was with me a long time. He was oh, wow. he was retired for more years than he actually pulled the car. <laughs> 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 but, uh, well, and now tell us about your book, This Horseback Days and Lightning Bug Nights. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's not... Um, it's not a, a autobiography, but it's kind of a fiction, but based on a lot of your experiences. Right. Well, it, uh, as I said, I've always been drawn to stories and and uh, stories of people, and and uh, so I and I'm an avid uh, audio book listener as well, and so mm-hmm. I decided to try to write uh, some fiction. And when I did, I went to several writers' conferences uh, locally. And uh, they would always tell you to write something that that you know and to write about something that not everyone has experienced. And so I tried several things before I landed on the idea for horseback days and lightning bug nights. But I, wa- I knew it would be some combination of uh, horses and living with a disability. And so uh, that's what I was, was going for there. And uh, my my life has been uh, so greatly blessed that I really didn't feel like I had enough, uh, enough uh, conflict or whatever you might call it to drive the plot if I tried mm-hmm. to write about life. And yeah. so my, my thought process was uh, was I thought about someone who was born with the same disability who maybe didn't have uh, all the support that I had growing up and what it would have been like for them and then of course I had that character kind of stumble into that support system that I was uh, more or less born into and so so uh, uh, it, uh, the uh, the character's disability is just like mine and that made it easy for me to share my experience I didn't have to stop and research well would he be able to do this or would he be able to do that because I knew exactly 
uh, what he was dealing with, but the circumstances are different. Right, right. Uh, uh, Wendy, you need to unplug. Oh, oh, sorry. She has to unplug her mic about halfway through. It gets all garbly. Yes. All right. Okay, I'll, how's that? How's that? Uh, you're not back yet. I'm not? No. Nope. How about now? Blah, 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 blah. No, you need to change your settings. Now you're back. Don't do anything. I'm back. Yep. I'm back. Yep. Okay. All right. Let me ask the next question. Okay. I'll bring okay. it back in. Three, two, one. So, Jake, with cerebral palsy, what what's the biggest challenge when you're driving? Can you tack up? Can you do everything? Or do you need help? Oh, I definitely need help with the uh, with the tacking up. Uh, I I don't get around well enough to to do all that myself. But once uh, once I'm tacked up and ready to go, I can uh, pretty well handle the driving. Uh, for safety reasons, I don't drive alone because you might need to get down. Yeah, and, I don't either, and, Jake. So I get that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just. They don't let me drive alone either, and I don't have cerebral palsy. Uh, so, right, well, what do you drive? What are you driving now? What kind of uh, horses? I, I'm, I'm now driving a single mule, and uh, uh, to a, a four wheel wagon that Dad built here at, at his shop. Uh, I've had several vehicles, and we couldn't find exactly. Uh, what I wanted, and so he eventually just built one, and it uh, it's built uh, where I can get in and out easily, and uh, and uh, it works for me. Tell us about your mule. Uh, she's a 15 year old uh, gray mare mule. They call her a gray mule. She looks more or less white, but. Uh, and uh, her name is Dixie. I hadn't had Dixie all that long. I, for years, for most of my driving career, I drove an Amish mare that was uh, half Belgian and half standard bred. And bless her heart, she taught me to drive. She was, she was a jewel. And uh, Dixie is, uh, is does me a good job, but she's not quite as bombproof as. Uh, my mom, uh, Poco was. And, now you also and, sent us some pictures of you, uh, with some of your buddies on this wagon train where you're all driving these, uh, what covered wagons. Uh, where was yes, that? Yes, ma'am. That, that, uh, group of men that I ride with is, uh, has really been a blessing to me. We don't, there's not much organized driving in this part of the, country and so uh my aunt and uncle moved a short distance they moved over into another county and when they uh when they went to uh, uh when they found a new uh church it just so happened their pastor had a wagon and team of mules and and when my aunt found out she said well you need to know my nephew <laughs> she got a she got us hooked up, and we've been riding together there. It's a group of uh, about, uh, oh, I don't know, three or four men, and they're all in their 70s except me, but we all we all drive together and ride together. I'm I'm back to riding some now as well, but, uh, but we have a good time. And one of those men, 
had a, had a, uh, experience with cancer. And, uh, when he, uh, got the all clear and began to get his strength back, he wanted to see how many vehicles we could put on the road at one time. So that, uh, wagon train, as we called it, was for him. Uh, we, uh, we, we generally all, uh, you know, we'll all go in one or two wagons and just help each other and be able to visit and all. But, uh, but for that purpose, just to just to see how many we could get, we we put everything we had on the road, and uh, and rounded up some extra people to ride with us. Uh, so uh, that was for him and uh, Brother Calvin is uh, his name. We uh, I think we ended up with I forget now seven wagons and a buggy or. Or eight wagons and a buggy, something like that. Yeah. Well, Jake, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, people can find your book, uh, Horseback Days and Lightning Bug Nights. Uh, they can find it on Amazon, right? Yes, ma'am. And I'm also, I have an author Facebook page if they'd like to contact me directly. But Amazon is probably the easiest place to to find the book itself. Is Jake, is the Facebook page under your name, Jake Keeling? Uh, yes. Okay. It's, uh, and we'll put a link to the book and also to your Facebook page in the show notes. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for being a listener also. We really appreciate that. Oh, yes, sir. I enjoy the show. Thank you. Well, this month on the Tremont Training Tip, Katie is joining us. And since this show is all about family, I thought we should share uh, some fun and uh, exciting tidbits about the Cadwell family and driving. So welcome, Katie. Hi. So you're going to make me like let all the skeletons this out of the This is the deep, closet? dark past. It's the skeleton, yes. it's the skeleton episode. Um, I um, actually was thinking about this, too, because you posted this really awesome picture on Facebook of Randy riding side saddle, right? So you guys were big-time riders before you got into driving. Yeah, I think that sometimes people don't really remember that, but um, Randy had some jumpers that she really did well with and then also was super interested in side saddle, who our mutual friend Mickey Bowen helped her with. Um, she yeah. did all the big shows like Devin and stuff. And then um, I was uh, had a couple of really really nice event horses. And then um, I didn't know you were an eventer. Yeah, that's what I started doing. I used to I used to ride with Ralph Hill. Oh, I didn't know that. Huh. <laughs> yeah. And then how did you get into driving? She got tired of breaking bones every year. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, funny you should ask. So we've always had um, driving ponies. Our our father used to drive. He had a single pony. He did the combined driving back in the 70s. Oh, I didn't know that. That's when they were breaking bones every week. (laughs) Yeah. So he did the sport way back then. And he was always, he was not a horse person until he married our mother. But then he really got to like them and we were involved. So we had all our event horses and jumpers, and he would take the outgrown ponies and drive them. And then we decided uh, with our farrier, Ron Palmer, that he wanted a four in hand. So 
He learned to drive the team and got a forehand. Well, we used to help him with his horses, just in the basic training and that kind of stuff. And we started to think, well, you know, this is actually a pretty cool sport. So that is one of our deep, dark secrets is we started into this sport through coaching. Was Ron uh, and the girls driving forehand at that time, too? So this was prior to um, the girls being able to drive since we kind of grew up together. But Ron was our farrier. I don't know, let's say at least from 1980, probably longer. Oh, my gosh. Your dad started driving your outgrown ponies. You got too tall for yeah, them and that, then decided. <laughs> that was pretty much the way we started because he would take the outgrown ponies that we weren't showing anymore and he would drive them and he did singles and pairs and tandems and everything like that. And then one day he said, I think I want my own four in hand. So <laughs> off to Canada we go and buy a team of uh, black horses with white socks. Oh, really? Yes, they were beautiful. We used to call them Bud Lights. But Aww. they were a hackney quad tail cross, but they were a super great team of horses. Did he, he had a coach at one point, right? Yeah. So of course, you know, he started with the roof seat break and doing all that stuff. And he was really good buddies with Frolic Weymouth. So we went there to drive all the time. And then I'm not even sure how it ended up, but we ended up with a coach and he got a French coach that was a GA. So quite rare. Oh, Wow. I think um, it's because we driving people are enablers, right? So like Frolic, I'm sure <laughs> was like, oh, you've got to get a coach and let's go to Martin's. And then, you know, one thing leads to another and you're coming home with this coach started single pony, end up driving a team with a coach. And then all of a sudden we're doing these coaching runs from New York city to Saratoga or, I don't know. Um, we did Beaufort to Savannah or Charleston. I mean, we did oh all this gosh. crazy stuff with his horses. And um, how old were you guys when you were doing that? Could you drive the vans for him? We could drive the trucks and trailers. We were old enough to do that. Not Randy, but I was. So, <laughs> yes, we would, um, we would be the crew. And... Uh, at this time, you talked about uh, Rhonda and Kale Palmer and their parents were involved at that point in time. Were there any other people we might know from driving nowadays that were coaching with you back then? Um, well, like John Greenall, who's a judge now, was still that, there. Mickey Bowen. Yeah. And there were a lot of people that have been in this sport for a really long time that, uh, you know, people don't realize they've been around so long. <laughs> and Tucker was driving back then, right? Yeah, Tucker was competing then, and he was only just doing some of the coaching stuff. Oh, he was a baby coacher. Yes. <laughs> and then he did the big drive, like Newport and Saratoga, with us. And uh, and then when did you guys decide you wanted to do your own competing? How did you get the combined driving bug? So I had the bright idea that I wanted to go to the Laurels with my father's team. And that was the first combined driving event that I did. With a four in hand? Yes, with a four in hand. And it was dad's big coaching horses. So we barely fit anywhere. Oh and we God, didn't no. know any rules. 
And dad had packed like an entire extra harness with us that I kept saying, if I need break that much harness, I'm quitting. And um, I think he got off and on the carriage in the hazard, like, you know, a bazillion times when I got something stuck. But we had fun. And from there, it was just we were hooked. Well, no wonder you weren't scared with me on the carriage, if that's how you started. So your first driving show was with a four in hand? Yes. Oh, jeez. Not too many people can say that. (laughs) 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 Well, you know us. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you're going to go, go big. It's great. Exactly. Then Randy, um, she used to ride with me all the time. She's she's the best navigator ever. But she then got the bright idea in 1993 when there were so many slots for the world championships that she was going to try for that. So her first real season showing was showing the horse pair advance. And at that point, there were 28 horse pairs vying for the nine spots to go to the 93 world championships. Was that the one they had in Gladstone? Yes. Oh, that's exciting. That's how a lot of people actually got involved with combined driving in the United States, because that was our first world championship in in America, right? Yeah, and it was an amazing show. I mean, there were probably 80 pairs at that show. You had nine Americans showing. It was a great show, and they did it right. That's great. And then, um, and then of course, you went on to go to go show fours and pairs and you were on world championship teams, right? Yeah. I think between Randy and I, we've done nine world championships. Oh my God. Slackers. Yeah. Of course. I don't have a gold medal like my younger sister, but (laughs) okay. (laughs) You need to get, you still have time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Katie, that was great. It's great to hear about your family. I think sometimes, you know, we forget how people get started in this sport, but it's, it's usually, that's how it goes. You know, you outgrow your ponies or your parents drag you in. So that's a wonderful story. And I hope. Yeah, uh, it's a hundred percent family. Okay. So I do have an important <laughs> question. Have you broken less bones since the driving than when you were riding? Um, I would say actually, yes, I have. Okay, good. <laughs> But when you do have an accident, it tends to be more, can I use the word catastrophic? Dramatic. <laughs> yeah, driving. it's more dramatic. Yeah. I'm more dramatic. That, that's much better, dramatic. Yeah, dramatic, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've all seen those carriage accidents. They're dramatic. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, I seen my wife break a few bones, too, and that was pretty dramatic. So, uh, you know. Depends. It's harder to see someone else do yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, where can everybody find you? So you can come to either TremontFarm.com or uh, our Facebook is Miranda or Kitty Cadwell. You know, on Facebook. Thank you very much, Kitty. Appreciate it. Another jam-packed show. Thank you, Dr. Wendy, for putting this together. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for letting us uh, come on the horses in the morning. What has been going on personally with you guys down there? I haven't talked to you in so long. Oh, we've been having a ball down here in Sarasota. <laughs> I can't tell you how much fun it is. I love it here. I did. Uh, I didn't so tell fun. anybody, but uh, during the break, I took my my bike and I went down for. I need to get out of the house, so I went down and rented a little place above Tampa, 
and spent three days riding my bike on the Pinellas Trail, which is a really long oh. trail that's around Tampa, and it's really nice. Yeah, um, no, I've seen that, and I love the Pinellas Trail. And actually, we're working on a little thing like that down in Sarasota. It's not going to be as extensive, but it's going to be pretty good. This one goes for like fifty miles or something. It's crazy. yeah, and I love all the bridges. Yeah, I love a all bunch the of bridges. Um, and yeah. then it goes through a couple little towns, and they have it set up that it's really made for the trail. I mean, it's it's beautiful the way it's set up. They even have little, and there's a bunch of riders and bikers, and, yeah. you know, walkers and joggers. And by the way, the walkers and joggers are a problem because they all have earphones in and they don't hear you coming. So you're saying on your left and they have no idea. You know, that's your But there should be a separate path for walking and a separate path for biking. I there I mean this is pretty wide so I didn't hit anybody but uh it oh, was you know it you know they should at least leave one of your butt out was what they tell you right? So yeah. but yeah. it's kind of cool cuz they have a whole bunch of restaurants and you go through towns little tiny towns and they have a whole bunch of restaurants and they have specific food things like ice cream stands and stuff specifically on the trail. So, oh, that's great. So it was kind of neat. And I rode uh, almost 50 miles in three days. So um, I got to see a good bit Did of you, it. So you went to different little spots, different parking spots yeah. to ride different sections? Actually, I got a place, I got a little cabin thing, uh, uh, Airbnb, right in the middle of the trail. So I went one direction, then I go in another direction. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even have to drive anywhere. It was it was very cool. That's great. Yeah, it was very. You really should have told me. I would have come up. I, I didn't tell anybody. I was hiding from the world. Oh. I was doing my biking. It was nice. <laughs> it was nice. Great. I mean, if I had said uh, to uh, on Facebook that I was going, I have a lot of friends in Tampa because of yeah. uh, because of uh, podcasting, and I, I wouldn't have right. had 10 minutes. So it was like, That's true. I really just wanted to ride my bike. It was nice. It was nice. So, you know, you're, you know, Kyle rides bike, too. He likes to get out and hike yeah, in the world on his bike. True. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us tomorrow. Jamie will be back with uh, some really bad ads. And uh, you can find Dr. Wendy at drwendyying.com. You can find her over there. And if you want to listen to all the past episodes of The Driving Show, you can go to drivingradioshow.com, and you can find them all there. Or you can go to Horses in the Morning and click on the driving banner in the middle of the page, and you'll find all the past episodes of The Driving Show. Thanks again, Dr. Wendy. Appreciate it. All right. Keep the shiny side up. 